Hey, Biff. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, you got my homework finished, McFly? Uh, well, actually, I figured since it wasn't due till Monday. I Hello? Just... Hello? <laughs> Anybody home? Hey, think, McFly. <laughs> think. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Joe Knows Podcast. I'm Darren, your host. On this episode 13, Think, McFly, Think. On the tech segment, my personal review of my iPhone 12 Pro Max, my early review of the Apple HomePod Mini, tech review of Apple's new M1 Max, Apple App Store Commission news, and Epic news. In the film and TV segment, Michael J. Fox retires, Lucasfilm The Mandalorian Season 2, Chapter 12, Lucas Phantom Menace reveal, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Wonder Woman dual release, and much more. Lastly, the shift segment takes a break this episode. I hope you listeners enjoy this episode 13 of Joe Knows. And it just works. And it just worked. It just works seamlessly. The vertical band is precision machined from stainless steel. The ceramic shield on the front is tougher than any smartphone glass. And tighter borders allow for even larger Super Retina XDR displays. Well, now the tech segment of the Jonos podcast. First up is my personal iPhone 12 Pro Max review. I picked up this iPhone 12 Pro Max on launch day at the Apple Store, and the process was seamless. I also grabbed an Apple Blue leather mag safe case. As always, I love their Apple leather cases. I will give my six key takeaways of what I love about it. Redesign, display, speakers, battery, CPU performance, and of course, the cameras. First, the redesign is really gorgeous. A great callback to the iPhone 4 era of the squared off sides. It's nice to hold in the hands. It's definitely not a one-hand operated phone like my iPhone 10, but you know what? I don't mind as the next area is where it makes up for its larger size. Second, what I'm talking about is the display. First impressions is this iPhone is indeed Apple's largest. It really is. Wow. The 6.7 Super Retina XDR display that's a mouthful, is huge. But so much real estate, get more info in your iMessages, more on your Safari browsing, more on Twitter. Love it. The OLED is brighter than before, hitting 800 nits on average versus the 625 nits on the 10. The contrast, I actually noticed a bit of a jump as well. Everything just seems to be more contrasty. That's probably not even a word. We're looking at a 2 million to 1 ratio for the 12 Pro Max versus the paltry 1 million to 1 ratio for the 10. Amazing OLED. Even the website DisplayMate calls it Apple's best OLED and industry leading in all metrics from color accuracy to brightness. Nicely done. Third, the speakers are louder than my iPhone 10 by quite a bit, surprisingly. When I turn up the sound to about 40% volume, it matches, I it almost felt like about 65% of the iPhone 10 sound. That's quite nice. Fourth, this is a big one, the battery. I've had the phone for just over a week, and it's been a beast. I mean, 
Of course, due to the larger display means more room for battery, similar to last year's iPhone 11 Pro Max, but larger than the iPhone 10 I came from. I've been getting nearly two days worth of battery life from light to medium usage. Heavy usage, I was able to squeeze just a day and a couple hours. Wow. Fifth, the A14 Bionic is screaming fast. A14 Bionic has a smaller five nanometer transistor, which pushes the most powerful chip in the smartphone generations ahead. Apps move more fluid without lagging. Pages load faster and lots of apps, of course, stay open now when you multitask thanks to the extra RAM. It's now sitting at a six RAM, six gigs of RAM, as opposed to the four gigs of RAM from last year's iPhone 11 Pro Max and double from iPhone 10, which had three gigs of RAM. Very noticeable. This should also provide sufficient uh, performance over the years for upgrades as well. Well, at least in iPhone years till 2024. Lastly, the camera, the triple cameras, that is, is awesome. You have the wide, ultra-wide, and telephotic lens. The larger iPhone 12 Pro Max takes these innovations even further. Its bigger sensor dramatically increases the detail capture and helps improve low-light performance by 87%. Second-generation night mode for photos on both front and rear cameras a 47% larger sensor and sensor shift to help with stabilizing photos and recording. The few photos I took at nighttime look nothing short of amazing. I'll post it on my Instagram and Twitter once I upload this episode. What about 5G? Well, I don't use it. Uh, the carrier I have it does not have it. But personally, I don't think 5G is going to take off for a few more years. Moving on. So HomePod Mini, the setup was not so good. I have to use Wifey's iPhone 11, but you know, I'm not sure if something's wrong with my phone, the software glitch. Come on, Apple. But setting it up was seamless on my wife's phone. Easy setup like the AirPods. Love it. Sounds great for such a small speaker. And Siri, well, Apple, spend some money. Come on. But you know, for a $129 smart speaker, very happy with the purchase. All right, what else? Do, oh, yeah, so the early M1 chip Mac reviews are in, and nearly all sites have been raving about the ability of the new Mac's speed, and, of course, the big one, battery improvements, sometimes up to nearly 20 hours of usage. I mean, this is just the beginning for Apple, and not many apps have been updated for the M1 chip, but overall, reviewers are recommending it again. Well done, Apple. And last but not least, the Apple App Store's commissions have moved down to 15% from 30% for app developers starting in January 1st, 2021 for any apps that make under $1 million a year. And speaking of the App Store, Epic's latest volley at Apple when their CEO compared the ongoing battle with the App Store to the civil rights movement. Okay, enough said about that. That's it for the technology segment of the Joe Knows podcast. Telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? 
Onto the film and television segment of the Joe Notes podcast, episode 13. Michael J. Fox retires. What a career. From Family Ties to Teen Wolf. Jeez Louise. Scott? Oh. Can I come in? Ah, uh, no, Dad. Ah, uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm doing something in here. That was some awesome 80s music, eh? <laughs> That's just terrible. <laughs> to his iconic turn as Marty McFly in Back to the Future trilogy. All right, punk. Now, whoa, now- whoa, Biff. What's that? That's Calvin Klein. Oh my God, he's a dream. Whoa, whoa, kid, kid, stop, 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 stop. Hey! Boy. Get it back to you, all right? And two more recently, playing himself on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you that I hope you weren't upset about the shushing, because, you know, a lot of people... Look, Larry, I'm not going to lie to you. Nobody likes to be shushed. Yeah, nobody I mean, likes I, to be I, shushed. I my kids. Yeah. I don't shush my kids. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. Because I did notice before you left, you were looking at me, and you kind of, you know, shook your head. Uh, yeah, my head shakes. So I have Parkinson's. I... I, I... Oh. I'm a head shaking fool. I just I'm always shake. So you're saying it was a Parkinson shake? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a Larry shake. Or... Got it. Oh. I'm glad I was able to see Fox in these variety of roles over the fast past decades. But his work on finding care for Parkinson, which he was diagnosed with, has been nothing short of amazing. Congratulations on a wonderful career, Michael. Canada loves you. This is the way. Season 2, Chapter 12, The Siege. This chapter, directed by Carl Weathers, who plays Grief Karga in this series. The Dancing Destroyer, the King of Sting, the Count of Monte Fisto. Yo, you think you got enough names? Patience, Dad. Almost done. The Master of Disaster, the one and only Apollo Creed. Another great episode. This one, of course, again, written by John Favreau. We see Mando with Baby Yoda lands back at Navarro 7 to meet up with Cara Dune. Kreef Karga and Mithril, the blue alien in the first chapter that uh, Mando puts in carbonate. We see Baby Yoda gets dropped off to class. Quite funny. They give the throwback to uh, a few things from the prequels. Excellent work, Favreau. And then the four of these... Individuals go to the Imperial base, which turns out to be a secret lab without spoiling anything. Fantastic. You have to have to check out the Mandalorian series. Fantastic. What else that won't spoil you? You see speeder bike scene chases. You see TIE fighter battles with the Razor Crest. Amazing. At the end, we see the Mandalorian taken off with Baby Yoda to Corvos to look for Ahsoka Tano. Fantastic. Cannot wait for chapter 13 next Friday. All right, moving along. Old news is new news. Apparently, according to IndieWire, 20th Century Fox feared that George Lucas's prequel, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, that the director would destroy everything Star Wars fans loved about Star Wars if they had the movie centered around a 10-year-old Anakin Skywalker. Oh, 
love you. You almost got us killed. Are you brainless? I speak. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. And it didn't. I mean, the movie made well over 900 million in its initial run worldwide. But I think there's obviously fans divided over this prequel episode. But, you know, enter as the last Jedi. I believe he's tooling with you, sir. About his mother. Thank you. Lucas actually did have the planned structure for the three prequel movies, unlike the Mouse Hats sequel trilogy. Oh, well, old news is new news, right? Let's move along. We have Zack Snyder's Justice League Ultimate Trailer. It's pretty much a big two-and-a-half-minute music montage. Now I've heard there was a secret chord that David played, and it pleased the Lord. With some dialogue at the end, it looks a lot different than the movie that was released as Joss Whedon took over directing duties as Snyder had stepped away due to personal family matters. Speaking of Warner's other DC temple, Wonder Woman will now have a dual release on December 25th. They're saying that the studio, whichever theaters are open, they're going to open Wonder Woman 1984 and also release it on HBO Max PVOD. Interesting approach, as this release will most likely be the norm until COVID is more under control. All right, uh, Quentin Tarantino sets two-book Collins deal to write Once Upon a Time in Hollywood novel. Guess we'll probably get at least a thousand-page novel. All right, what else? Do we have Apple TV Plus streaming updates. Season 2 for All Mankind, set to debut February 19th. 2021. We also have the Israeli thriller Losing Alice will also debut on January 22nd with an expected eight episode run. And season two of Mythic Quest. Love that TV series. Great comedy. It's currently be dubbed Titans Riff. And last but not least, a new film based on the classic video game Tetris, making its way to Apple TV Plus, starring Taron. Argenton of Kingsman franchise and Rocketman movie where he played Elton, Elton John. And Variety reports that Amazon Studios has acquired the worldwide rights to coming to America too. Coming to America too. Get it? Too? <laughs> For Paramount Pictures. Now, it was supposed to be out in December, but now it's set to release March 5th, 2021 on Amazon Prime Video. See, they're McDonald's. I'm McDowell's. Huh? They got the golden arches. Mine is the golden arcs. <laughs> huh? I see they got the Big Mac. I got the Big Mick. All right, let's move over to Fox Studios. Disney owned now. They want to launch another Predator movie. Number five. Well, I guess the well's never dried with IP such as The Predator. When the big man was killed, you must have wanted it. Its blood was on the leaves. If it bleeds, we can kill it. All right. Variety reports that Netflix limited series The Queen's Gambit has set a record for most viewed script show on the service with 62 million watching within the first 28 days. The caveat, however, is Netflix metric for watching is 
at least two minutes of viewing the content. Kind of a skewed method, but nonetheless, pretty impressive getting 62 million just to watch this show in the first 28 days. Kudos, kudos there, Netflix. All right, HBO, my wife and I caught up with The Undoing, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. You know what I love about this? You could never tell they were rich. It's all so classy and understated. I'll make it up to you later. Make it up to me now. Let's find a room. They must have a few. You're so bad. This limited series, based on the book you should have known by Jean Hanf Korelitz, I think that's how you say it, adapted by David E. Kelly, who did, you know, Doogie Howser, classic. So this show is an amazing mystery psychological thriller. Nicole Kidman's always fantastic, and Hugh Grant plays the husband like he usually does in rom-coms, but in this, very well. Go watch it. I think uh, it's on Sunday nights, and they are finishing up next week's season, or sorry, they had six episodes. We just finished the fifth one. I think it's going with six. I could be wrong. All right, Raised by Wolves, the final HBO show, was a very interesting series. Finished watching that as well. The finale was quite shocking. The acting, the story, the visuals are well done. If you're a fan of science fiction and want something out of this world, well, this is it. I look forward to more Mother, Father, Campy Adventures in Season 2. This is it for the film and TV segment of the Joe Knows Podcast, as well as for Episode 13, as the shift segment is MIA for this week. Please subscribe if you haven't done so, and share with your family and friends. You can follow me on Twitter at Knows Podcast, Instagram, JoeKnows.podcast, and Facebook at Joe Knows Podcast. Until next time, Joe out. All right, this is, uh, this is an oldie, but, uh, well, it's an oldie where I come from. All right, guys, uh, listen, this is the Blues Riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay?
Okay, I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. But your kids are gonna love it.